Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mama Marketer podcast. I am your host, Olivia, and I am actually here today with my cousin, Angela. So Angela and I um, grew up together, and we just recently uh, had a family get together, and we kind of reconnected. And um, those of you that have been listening for a while to my show know that I do a lot of interviews with entrepreneurs. I love hearing what 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 about entrepreneurship uh, attracted people to that route? And I just kind of love hearing about how it unfolded and how they ended up in the businesses that they were in. And uh, when I was in, uh, when I was in Amarillo visiting with my cousin, she was telling me about her job. And I thought that it was super interesting. I had never talked to anyone that was uh, in her profession before. And so I just thought, you know, this is just as interesting as someone that decided to like start a business, uh, choosing a, a unique career. And it might be one that uh, is interesting to learn about. It might even be one that if you're a younger person and you're not sure what you want to do when you grow up, I mean, this is just kind of going to be a taste of what that looks like. So, so you never know. So, um, okay. So Angela, I'll go ahead. I didn't spoil it. So you go ahead and tell us what is your day job? I am a civil litigation defense paralegal. Oh my gosh, that is a mouthful. <laughs> it is. Civil litigation defense, defense paralegal. paralegal. Yes. Okay. And I've I've done a lot of other paralegal work. Um, so I've worked on the plaintiff side of civil litigation as well. Um, didn't really find that as satisfying for me. Um, I've also done, I worked for a solo practitioner um, of law. So just an attorney who had an office by himself and he kind of did a little bit of everything. So traffic court, criminal cases, um, family law, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but the civil litigation side was where I found my, my niche as it were. Yeah. So. Very cool. I had no idea. So obviously I knew that you were a paralegal, but I had no idea that within that profession, that there are these kind of like specialty areas. So that's really yes. interesting. Yes. So what about being a paralegal appealed to you? Um, for me, it was, so my, my mom and dad were both police officers. So my dad was a street cop. My mom worked inside the jails. Um, as a matter of fact, she worked for the Texas Department of Corrections in the men's psychiatric unit. So wow. all the stories <laughs> there. Um, and so when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, I was, my trade in the Marine Corps was IT. I did desktop support and network administration. And when I got out, I just realized I wasn't really happy with that. And so I went to looking at like, what am I going to do? Where, where do I belong? And so you remember my dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was always adamant that his daughters grow up to be doctors or lawyers um, and be like these super awesome, powerful people. Um, and so when I was looking at it originally at that particular time, I was let's see, Duncan would have been like four. I just bought a house. I was looking at like maybe trying to have another baby. And initially I was like, I can wait until after I go through the police academy. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a police officer. And my mother, God love her, looked at me and said, if you do that, I will disown you. 
<laughs> so I was like, okay, I, you know, and I listened to my mom and, and some of the things that she had to say about it. And I, so I figured that law was where I wanted to be. Well, in order to go to law school and become an attorney, you have to have your bachelor's degree. So that's four to five years of college. Plus you then have to go to law school, which is another three to four years of Mm. education. And I really was like, I just bought a house. Mm. I have a small child. I have a family. I don't necessarily have the time to commit to these. So I started looking at some of the other things that I could do within that field. And as paralegal, I realized I could fulfill that goal in a shorter amount of time and also not have a lot of the same responsibilities (laughs) um, and heavy weight that falls on an attorney. So I, as a paralegal, can do anything an attorney can do except for three things. Mm, okay. Okay. So I cannot give you legal advice. Okay. Uh, you can't call me and be like, Hey, um, should I file a lawsuit against my neighbor who won't, you know, keep their dog from crapping in my yard? Mm. (laughs) You know, I can't do that for you. That has to come from a bar licensed attorney. Um, I cannot enter into the attorney client relationship. So you call my office and you're like, Hey, I just got in this car accident and it's the other guy's fault. And I want to sue them and go after their insurance company. I can go, okay. And I would get a whole bunch of details. And then ultimately at the end of that conversation, I'm going to tell you, okay, understand that I am paralegal. Mm-hmm. I cannot agree to take on this case. That decision has to come from the attorney. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give all this information to the attorney and then have you talk to the attorney and the attorney will let you know if this is a case that they are willing to take on or not. And so that decision comes from the attorney. Hmm. Um, And that usually happens after we clear conflicts and all that stuff, which we can talk about conflicts later. Um, And the other thing is I cannot sign legal documents that are filed with the court. So nine times out of 10, if you look at a document that's been filed with the court, that document has actually been drafted by the paralegal. Okay. So the paralegal puts it all together. The attorney reviews it, makes sure all the legal citations and applicable law is handled correctly. And then the attorney is the one that signs it and files it. Gotcha. With the court. Okay. So, okay. Those are the so, three things that I can't do, but, but, but everything research, else. Yeah, exactly. Legal Very cool. research, all of that stuff. Um, and I, I really enjoy the heck out of legal research. It's absolutely one of the most complex, but also interesting things that I've ever done. Yeah. That just kind of like attention to detail. I can see that being, yeah. uh, if that's something you enjoy, I can see that being a good fit. And really, I mean, just trading off those three things that you can't do for what your life would have looked at with eight mm-hmm. plus more years of schooling yeah. and affording that and the time investment, well, it kind of seems like that. a really smart trade-off. But attorneys also have to carry malpractice insurance mm. um, because if, if they give bad legal advice, you can absolutely turn around and sue them for malpractice. Yeah. 
Um, and so that is a lot of, a lot of responsibility and a lot of, um, a lot of extra stuff you have to keep on your mind. Yeah. You know, you have to keep in mind, like, am I giving sound legal counsel? Is this the right thing? You think of it as a doctor giving a diagnosis. Yeah. Is this the right medical diagnosis? And if I, if I'm giving them the wrong medical diagnosis and therefore the wrong prescription or the wrong mm. treatment, this patient could end up damaged for life. They could end up dead. You know, yeah. whereas when you're, when you're talking about, um, lawyers and attorneys and the law and stuff, if you're giving bad legal advice, your client could end up in jail. Your client could yeah. end up financially ruined. And yeah. that's a big thing. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. You make the connection to like the medical field. Cause I was totally thinking that when you were saying that you can't give I'm legal so- advice, um, because I text, I have a lot of girlfriends that are nurses and mm-hmm. I text them all the time. I send them pictures. Look at this bruise. Look at this bump. What do I need to know? And it's like a joke <laughs> that when it's like national nurses week, like I have to send them all coffee because I text them yep. so much throughout the year. So I'm just curious, does that, even though most of your friends and close family, I would assume knows this rule. Do you still get those texts all the time? Like, do you still get where people ask um, you? Occasionally a lot, a lot of the time I, when I do get those text messages, I let them know, okay, look, if I were you in this situation, knowing what I know, this is what I would do. But ultimately you're going to have to talk with an attorney to figure out what is the best bet. Um, the other common question that I get a lot is what kind of attorney do I need Mm, for this situation? Um, and a lot of times I'm able to go to my boss who is absolutely amazing. And I love her to death and say, Hey, um, do you know an attorney who handles something like this? And she'll be like, yes, send them my way. Or yes, send them to Aaron Petticourt or yes, mm. send them to, you know, whoever. Um, yeah, cause that's, that's, that's something that people don't realize until you're in the market for a lawyer. Like Mm -hmm. I think when I was younger, I just assumed a lawyer was a lawyer, but the law is so complicated. As you know, there's a a family lawyer, a family lawyer I learned is not the same as a divorce lawyer is not the same as like a custody. Like they're like, Mm -hmm. it's so nuanced. And I, Dean and I are always talking about how we wish we, we, we think that people should be more well-versed in the law um, because yes. there's just, I mean, we, Dean watches this YouTube channel that's all about police interactions and about how yes. like people, uh, people that know the law really well, how they kind of protect themselves in those situations. And it's all kind of an educational channel. Um, yes. And sometimes I'm surprised about what a person yes. can and cannot say and what a, what a policeman can and cannot say. And I just, I think there needs to be more more mm-hmm. legal education. I think we'd be a better society for it, but in the, in like we had kind of talked on Facebook a couple of weeks ago in the, in the world of social media, it's so easy to get bad advice. Yes. You know, it's so easy yes. to get someone that Absolutely. fancies themselves a lawyer, but actually doesn't know. So yep. that's why I think this is, this is really interesting hearing this. That's why like when we send out our initial opening contact letters to our clients, we tell them, And when we are having that initial conversation, look, um, you've been sued for this accident. 
or, or whatever the case is. Um, and the less you talk about it with people, the better. So if you've got social media and anything like that, keep it off of social media. Don't go out there and get legal advice from social media. Don't go out there and listen to people or talk about it because you make them witnesses and Mm -hmm. that information is discoverable. That information can be used against you. Um, and that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, especially in a world where we're all like, you know, Facebook and Twitter and you know, TikTok, they're right there on our phones, in our hands all the time. So, well, and and I've been in situations where we're looking at legal action and you feel like you have no other way. Like you feel like you're going to explode if you can't express Mm -hmm. your side of the thing. But I mean, I got, I got the same advice. Like you're ultimately going to hurt yourself. If you put it out there ahead of time, like the best thing you can do is show some, some restraint until it's time. The truth about like, one of the biggest things about my job is, you know, we tell people if you absolutely feel like you have to talk to somebody about this and you're frustrated and you're annoyed, um, call the office, mm. call the office, talk to, talk to the paralegal because the paralegal is bound by the same attorney client privilege mm. and they can't discuss those things with other people. They can't, um, go out and, you know, blab it to the whole world and neither can opposing counsel go, okay, well, what did Mm. you talk about with Mr. Jones's paralegal? It doesn't, it doesn't apply there. So we sometimes are the therapist for our clients. Yeah, I bet. So, and unfortunately, like, so in my, in my line of work, um, as a civil litigation defense paralegal, 90% of my caseload comes to us from insurance companies. Oh, wow. So you get okay. in a car wreck. So you get in a car wreck and let's just pretend it's your fault. You rear-ended somebody. Okay. And um, two years later, you get served with a lawsuit. Mm. And it's because of that car accident. The guy is saying, oh, my neck, my back, I'm permanently disabled. Okay. Oh, gosh. It happens. It yeah. happens. I bet. <laughs> um, and so you let your insurance company know. Okay. So if you have under, under your terms of your insurance company, your contract with your insurance company, they will provide attorney for you. They will Mm -hmm. go out, they will find an attorney and they will foot the bill for it. And that attorney will represent you in court and we will handle the defense. And that's one of the things that my office does. So, and we have contracts with several insurance companies, unfortunately, because we do also represent those insurance companies as well. Due to attorney client privilege, I can't tell you which insurance companies I work for. <laughs> fair, fair. You. Um, you've seen their advertisements on the TV, you've seen their ad- you've heard them on the radio. Um, yeah. and they're they're quite large. So very we cool. Do, we do work for, for some of those companies. Um okay, when so we get people in our office, they're being sued. And they think it's the end of the world and they are angry and they are upset and we have to talk them off the ledge. Mm. So we're kind of experts at that at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine, I can only imagine the emotional piece that you have to deal with. Like if I were being sued, I would be so 
I mean, I imagine I'd be angry. I'd be embarrassed. I mean, I'd be all of the emotions and you're kind of the, the first line of defense, (laughs) pun intended. Like if you don't have a, and if you don't have a tough skin, you know, and you're going to, you know, these clients call and they're like, what are you doing to defend me? Why are you not Mm. taking care of this? What is the taking so long? You know, if you don't have a thick skin, then it can be really tough. It can yeah. be really, really tough. Okay, so. so going back to some of my questions that I have here, was there a moment when you knew that this was the job that you wanted to have, either before you had it or even after you had it, like an affirmation moment? Like, when did you know this This is the role for me? This is the job for me? Um, as a paralegal in general, um, when I was taking legal research, um, which was a required course for my degree, um, I just, I was like, I get this. I understand this. This makes sense to my brain. And it kind of, it kind of brought all of the other pieces that I had learned from all of my other classes together and it clicked. And I went, absolutely. This is the, the right decision that I have made to become a paralegal. Um, when it came to the area of law that I wanted to work in, um, that just kind of happened by trial and error. Um, you know, I mentioned that I had worked for a a solo practitioner who kind of did a little bit of everything. And I very quickly realized that, um, family law and, uh, criminal law were not my cup of tea. Okay. Um, but when I started working in personal injury, it was a little bit easier, a little bit better. Um, and then when I started working at this defense law firm that I work for now, um, my mind is very geared towards being kind of skeptical, kind of, Mm. um, being on the defense. And so it, it was a natural fit for me. Yeah. So I can so totally, you know, just knowing you for like our, when we were younger, like I can, I can kind of see it now. I can kind of see this almost being like a duh, of course, Angela should do this job. You know, like I, I really can see it. Um, so now tell me, uh, we talked a little bit about how, like with law school, what that college path, career Mm -hmm. path, what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So for this role specifically, what, uh, steps did you have to take? Cause I know that you also, uh, before you were paralegal, uh, you did like serving, like serving the papers and stuff. And so like, tell me what that, what that path, uh, looks like to, to get Um, into this role. So there are a great many paths to becoming a paralegal. Uh, The two most common are OJT, so on-the-job training, or going and getting your degree in, um, so my degree is called Paralegal Practice. It's an associate of uh, the arts. Okay. And it's called Paralegal Practice. Um, Some places it'll be called, um, what did they call it? paralegal practice, paralegal studies, paralegal Mm, sciences. Um, So it's usually a two-year degree. Um, OJT, those those of us who in the field who have become a paralegal by on-the-job training, they usually start out somewhere else in the law firm, 
Um, generally speaking, they're either like the receptionist or the file clerk mm, and okay. just over time, gradually get moved in to this role. Um, but I chose to go the college career path, um, and go and get my degree, um, and to learn and understand what these different areas of law was, what it would take to get me a foot in the door. And, uh, it was, it was kind of awesome. Cause you got, you know, we have, you have your basic required courses, but then we have all of these electives in family law. We have electives in, um, criminal law and procedure, criminal evidence, um, employment law, probate law, all of these things. And so you kind of get like a little snippet and a little taste of everything and it works really well. Very cool. Okay. So one thing that I like to ask in certain situations, um, it's just kind of like a fun game. I like to make my friends and family play, but I thought it would make sense here. Um, it, it can be like called Rose and Thorn or Peak and Pit or High and Low, but okay. I'm curious, what is the best part of your job? And what would you say would be the worst part of your job? Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, so the, the best part of my job thus far currently um, has been that moment where you're looking through all of the records that you've gathered, you're looking through the, the video camera surveillance tapes that you've gathered, and you find the aha moment mm. that proves your client is, you know, not at fault for this accident or proves mm. that the plaintiff is lying. Um, wow. and you, and you kind of, you're able to vindicate your client in court. That is that really moment cool. is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah. now I will say I did recently do something, um, or was involved in a case that, um, we went above and beyond for this client because they were experiencing some really difficult, hard times. Um, and we ended up being able to get them the help that they needed to keep like their electricity on, to mm. keep them in the house and keep them from being evicted and things like that, keep their car from being repossessed and all of wow. that stuff. And so that was a huge moment. Um, and that was kind of awesome, but on a day-to-day -day basis, it's that aha moment. Yeah. Um, the low point, I think of my entire time as a paralegal, which I've been a paralegal for seven going on eight years, I think something like that wow. I forget. <laughs> um, was when I was actually working for the solo practitioner and I won't, I won't drop his name. Uh, yeah. Um, fair. <laughs> because, um, you know, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> um, and that would be unprofessional <laughs> of me, but, um, so he was a solo practitioner he had a, a huge caseload. Um, not that he couldn't manage it. I mean, he was doing his thing. Um, but he kind of had like a bad habit of not calling his clients back. And oh, so gosh. being, being the one in the office on the regular basis to receive those telephone calls <laughs> from the client that has been like, yo, I've called this dude like every day for two weeks and he still ain't returned my call. What oh, did the prosecutor, 
what did the prosecutor say about how they gonna modify my uh my assault charges Mm. and you're like I don't know because he you know I can't get that answer from him and they start getting angry with you you take a lot of verbal abuse Mm. wow Um, so ultimately that was one of the reasons why I left that that particular law firm yeah um yeah. but even now like you still I still do end up taking some verbal abuse from some of our clients um but it's not it's not an everyday thing it's not a um quite as severe um yeah. and I think as I've gotten further into the career I've also come to understand that nine times out of ten people are dealing with attorneys at a time that their life has just fallen apart yeah and so it's not personal yeah they're just trying to get somebody to understand how they feel yeah yeah and you just you have to take it that way um I was gonna say that's such a good um sign that you're in the right role and just that how good you are at your job that you're able to know that people are going through the kind of one of the worst things in their life and you can come still come at them with maturity and with compassion and still do Mm -hmm. a good job for them. Like that's a huge testament to you being in the right role and, and you being good at that role, you know? So that's, that's really interesting. Um, so what is something that you might want others to know about your job? Like if you could tell, maybe this is going to lawyers, other paralegals, maybe even people that walk into your office off the street. Like if there was just one thing that they could just know before they engage with you, what would that be? Okay. So for those who are looking at potentially being in this field, lawyers um, are notorious for being highly competitive. Um, Sometimes they can be a little bit egotistical and narcissistic. um, And that can sometimes make it really hard to, to, to work with them because if you're not used to that competitive drive and working with that, um, it can it can be very taxing. And so sometimes you have to have a thick skin, even when dealing with your attorney um, and understand that it's just their competitive nature. They want to win this case and they're gonna do what it takes to get that case done. Um, to the attorneys, I would <laughs> <your> say- chance. <laughs> um, that the proper care and feeding of your paralegal will go a long way. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. Um, I like to use the expression that I am the wind beneath my attorney's wings. Okay. Mm. Um, if you need, if you need medical records, if you need evidence, I'm the one that's going out there and finding it and getting it for you. Mm. Um, and so you will get a from from the attorneys, you will get a lot more uh performance from your staff members your sports staff if you can treat them with kindness and compassion and not be a complete and total jerkwad <laughs> very good um, very good you know in a good way I'm, a good way to your heart is through some snacks absolutely <laughs> um and i'm very fortunate that i work so i work in a law firm with um six attorneys and I am very fortunate that all of our attorneys are some very amazing and caring and kind and compassionate people. Um, and I just, I love them to death and I am willing to go above and beyond for them because 
our partners have made this law firm such a team environment that the success of this law firm is not the success of the partners. Mm. It is all of our success. So I feel like I have a vested interest in this law firm and I want to see it succeed. I want to put forth that extra effort. And so as attorneys, when you can do that for your support staff and make them feel like they have a vested interest in the success of your firm, it's a huge thing. Yeah. That's a testament to their leadership and a testament to, I mean, there are businesses out there that try and try to build a culture of teamwork Mm -hmm. and unless it's an authentic thing from the top down, it's not going to happen. You know, you can't, you can't fake that type of, you know, going above and beyond the paycheck. And so that's, that's just a testament to them as people and the synergy that you guys have. So that's really cool. I definitely, uh, I don't plan to get any legal trouble, but if I do, (laughs) I would want a team like yours. (laughs) But, uh, and, and to like the general population, um, who is coming to us, whether you're referred to us by your insurance company, my law firm also does some plaintiff's work. Um, so if you're coming to us because you, you know, had a slip and fall at somebody's house or at a hospital or something like that, those are a couple of cases that we've actually had. Mm. Um, just remember that you're, the paralegal is nine times out of 10 who you're going to be talking to. And that paralegal, if you can, if you can get on their good side, will bend over backwards to help you any, any time that they can. Um, and they're going to be the ones that are, are nine times out of 10 relaying what you're saying to the attorney, because maybe the attorney's in depositions or hearings or whatever. And then later on coming back to you and going, okay, this is what the attorney has to say. And they can really advocate for you with your attorney. Um, so so you want, you also want to bring the paralegal snacks and you also want to be nice and respectful and all, all the things, because like you, you said, get, they're, they're your advocate. You will get loads and loads farther with <laughs> a please and thank you than you will anything else. So you mean that thing that my mom used to tell me about catching more bees with honey than what is it? Vinegar? What is the phrase? That, yeah. You, you mean yeah. that's true. You mean I got to call mom and tell her <laughs> she was right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, okay. I know you technically cannot give legal advice, but because I'm so obsessed with this idea of there being such a disconnect between a civilian and whether it be law enforcement or even judges and lawyers and everything, like, I feel like we're living in a time where we're just so divided and it causes really bad interactions. If you could only give like one piece of advice, legal advice, um, or even just law enforcement advice, I guess, like what is like the one thing, the one piece of advice you would give to people in order to try to keep them out of trouble, out of your office? Um, well, okay. So if, to keep them out of my office, um, so like I said, I do a lot of defense work. So, mm. and a lot of my cases come from auto accidents. Right. So be careful, slow down on the ice watch, you know, watch your distance when, when it's snowing and when it's raining, um, and pay attention to, to the road conditions, pay attention to other drivers, um, because you never know, um, 
it just takes that one slip of your foot off the brake pedal to rear end somebody. It just, you never know. So drive with yeah. care, drive with caution. Um, and, and hopefully you don't end up in, in my office. Yeah. That's so good. Um, and even, as even just this far, past, oh, sorry, go ahead. And so like, as far as like, when you're dealing with the courts, the more calm and collected and cool you stay, the more willing the judge is, is to listen to you. So, um, if you can keep a cool head and, and, and explain your side of the story, explain what's going on, you're more, more likely to get, um, some caring and compassion from that judge, which in the Kansas city metros, a lot of our judges are quite, quite, um, caring and compassionate. And so we're very fortunate up here. That's, that's so good. I know that's even my husband's advice. Uh, if, you know, if I get challenged or pulled over or whatever, like, you know, we're Latina and like my go-to is not to be calm, cool, and collected. My go-to is to be very defensive. And, um, it's something that we've had to, to learn and something that like my husband will even remind me like, Hey, like, like we were leaving the bar last night and some guy had given us a heads up and said, Hey, there's always a cop here, you know? And not like we were speeding and like Dean hadn't, wasn't drinking. Like, you know, we, we weren't worried about it, but this guy was just giving us a heads up. And so, uh, I, I was drunk. (laughs) Dean wasn't. And so we're getting in the car and he's like, okay, now if for some reason we get pulled over, you say nothing, (laughs) you say nothing, (laughs) you zip it and let me handle it. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, okay. So so my last, my last question for you before we close out. So randomly the other day, I saw a news story about a paralegal getting into some like shenanigans. So I just, I thought it was so funny because like, you don't see paralegals in the news. And here I had this interview with you and then I saw this article. So, um, I guess I'll fill people in. So basically there was a paralegal that was stealing money from their lawyer's office, like over time, stealing big, large amounts of money. And I guess they went so that the lawyer figured it out. And I guess the lawyer also unearthed a plan where this paralegal was going to poison him or was he already poisoned? I can't remember, but basically okay, this, so yeah, you tell it tell. of the story. Cause I was just thrilled to read this because <laughs> holy crow. Yeah. Um, so over a course of 10 years, this paralegal had, um, stolen or embezzled roughly about $800,000 oh from gosh. her attorney. And over the course of approximately a year, she had also been poisoning him. Oh my gosh. So she had also gone out and told like other people that he was depressed. He wasn't taking care of his law firm, things like that. And, um, to the point that he had a complaint filed against him with the bar and she intentionally did not file his response with the bar. And so in that situation, the attorney ended up actually losing his license to practice law. He was disbarred and did not know it because she had set up all these email filters and redirects to keep him from finding out about what she was doing. Um, There were false emails that were generated. from his account, from quote unquote, his accountant, 
Mm. Um, turns out that she hadn't been sending the documentation to the accountant to do their taxes, the firm's oh taxes. Did the article stuff. say why? Like why she was obviously out to get this guy and was close enough to him just, to, to do, did, did she have a reason? Like it didn't specify the reason they're still looking into the motive. So she is in jail uh, oh or she God. was charged with um, the embezzlement and there is, are pending charges for attempted murder because she did poison oh him. He and ended he figured it out, coma. right? Yeah. Like he, well, he, he caught on. Something was, he figured something was going really weird and something wasn't quite right. And so he was actually like contemplating closing his law firm because of, of this and stuff like that. And so one day she poisoned him, like gave him enough antifreeze that it put him in a coma for two or three days. And so his daughter found him and while he was in the hospital recovering his ex-wife who used to be the manager of the firm, like the office manager, not like the managing yeah. law partner, but the office manager yeah, um, started going through the documents and that were in the law firm and figured out what was going on. And so he, the attorney has actually filed a lawsuit against this girl civilly wow. for slander, for libel, for, mm. um, you know, the embezzlement and for all of these other things. And it's, it, it'll be interesting to see how this case boils down. Yeah. You'll because, have to keep me updated for sure. Yeah. I hope that like, surely he can have a way to get reinstated at least with the bar. He, like, he was So once he contacted the bar and let the bar know what was going on with his with what they had uncovered, the bar did go ahead and um, reinstate his license. Okay, so he good. is, he is able to practice law. Um, now, all of these events happened approximately two to three years ago. Mm. So he has spent the last two to three years recovering from wow. being poisoned and all of this other stuff. And the article actually said that he's only just now physically and mentally in a place where he feels oh like, oh my gosh, before the poisoning. So it took yeah. him a long time to get to that. Point. I'm so interested uh, to know what her motive would be. And I'm so oh, interested, yeah. like, it's just so interesting hearing how like productive well, it's, it's your office example. sounds compared it's to a, this. <laughs> it's a great example as to like the power that paralegals have in yeah. the law. Yeah. Like in my law office, I'm not, I'm not just a paralegal. I'm also the billing clerk. So I'm the one that's generating these bills that we're sending to these insurance companies to be paid for our time and mm. our, our, you know, be reimbursed for the expenses and stuff. And so, yeah, I have the power to do that exact same thing in this yeah. situation. Oh my and, gosh. <laughs> and it's, a paralegal literally is the wind beneath that attorney's wings and a good paralegal can make a break an attorney. A bad yeah. paralegal can, can poison can an attorney, attorney. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and bring them straight down like a sinking stone. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another like famous, like bad lawyer case. Are you, do you know who Tom Girardi is? Vaguely. 
Okay, so he was famous because he worked on the Aaron Brockovich case. And uh-huh. current current day, his wife is on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she like is a pretend pop star. Like she like performs, but really she pays to perform at all these places. And basically the Bravo producers caught it like on camera. Like basically he was caught taking money from victims and I guess there's like a temporary account that the money goes in before it pays out to the victims he was called an attorney's trust account yeah so Uh, he was taking that money and that and was giving it to his wife to to, to facilitate her her lifestyle and so like so, so, so they got caught basically. And there's uh, so many layers to this case because she's like, did she, like, did she know, like, should she have to give back some of like this lifestyle that she's been leading? She's of course saying she had no clue and that she's not going to give up any of her assets because she didn't know it was stolen money. And then he now is playing this like Alzheimer card where he like went so far as to like check himself into a facility and is saying that, oh, I did that because my mind wasn't there. And I like, didn't realize I mean, what I was doing it's, it's all crazy. dependent on, on what can be proven by the courts and what yes. can be proven in court so yeah it's um, crazy. that's another one that'll be interesting to to see what happens with but yeah taking yeah. money out of the client trust account is like probably one of the most wrong things an attorney yeah. can do outside of giving and these, were, these were big cases like one of them a guy um there was like a faulty gas line in his house and it blew up and he lost his girl like his girlfriend died and he has like burns all over his body yeah. and he hasn't seen a dime after winning his case and then another case was like a, a flight that went down like mm-hmm. overseas somewhere and he represented yep. all of the survivors and none and the of them saw any through. Yeah. None yep. of them ha- there's, haven't seen that money yet. And so now yeah. people are trying to get it from his wife. And like I said, she's saying she had no clue. So it's crazy. You'll have to look it up. And that's one we'll have to, maybe, yeah. maybe we need to do a, like after these cases progress for a while, we might have to do like an updated version. Um, yep. But yeah, it's just so interesting. You know, I think Alzheimer's or not, like you said, it seems like a no brainer not to take money from innocent victims, people that you were there to support. I I, I don't think that he, he like forgot that role. It sounds like a pretty important role. I think Alzheimer's or not, he's got to do some jail time and she's got to, maybe maybe even her too. uh, Something's got to be done, you know? So, and if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was a paralegal in his office that like first went to the media and was like, like something's up because that burn victim was like her best friend's son. And so her best friend was like, I haven't gotten my money. It's been X amount of years. And I'm almost positive. It was, it was definitely a girl that worked in her office. I don't know if she for sure was a paralegal, but she is the one who like I've seen on the news and stuff talking about Mm -hmm. it. So it's just so interesting. Um, I think people are really going to enjoy the advice and kind of hearing from that side of things. And that's Um, that's the thing. I think people also need to remember that you're only ever nine times out of 10 going to hear about the bad attorneys yeah, on the news or in, you know, however, you know, on the newspaper or whatever, um, the good attorneys, you'll be able to Google them. And the only thing that comes up is their, is their legal website, you know? Yeah. Um, and so 
you, you want know. a clean attorney though. You, you want an attorney yeah. that's not in the news. So that's, yeah, now, that's, that's really now cool. That's not to say, like my attorney has been in the news. We actually, um, there, there was a lawsuit that we filed in federal court. I will not discuss the right. details of it because it's still ongoing. Um, but we did file a lawsuit in federal court that ended up in the news, um, mm. for all the right reasons. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So when, when you're looking for attorneys, when you're looking, uh, looking at attorneys, if you find news articles, read the news article, why are they yeah. in the news? Is it mm. for bad reasons or is it for good reasons? Yes. Um, and if you don't find anything about them on, on the, you know, on the World Wide web, um, then chances are you've got an attorney who does what they're supposed to do. They are um, ethical and professional and uh, they're worth a shot. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so good. And that's a great way um, to kind of end it. So before I take us out, any, any last minute stuff, any last minute tidbits or anything? I feel like you've shared a lot of things. I I feel like I've learned so much, (laughs) but do you have Uh, any kind of last minute thoughts? I I would also say to people, if you are being served with legal process, because I used to do that Mm, at one point too. Yes. just remember that that person that's knocking on your door, whether that's a sheriff's deputy or a private party or whoever, um, they are just the messenger and they are there to protect your constitutional right Mm. to due process, um, Mm. which involves being informed that you are being sued. I mean, you can't, how can you defend yourself if you don't know about it? So they're there protecting your constitutional rights. Um, and they are just the messenger and like this, like the saying goes, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. So. I think people think that if you can outrun the, the person serving you that like you've done it, no. you've, you're out no. of, but you're not the, the legal case is happening, whether uh, or not in, you're going to defend Kansas yourself in Missouri, in both Kansas and Missouri. Um, when I was a private process server, if I knocked on your door and I said, Hey, uh, you're being served and you take the paperwork, even if you go, uh, no, I'm not. And hand it back to me, you handing, taking the paperwork from my hand, even just to look at it counts as the service of process and wow. it's done. And I can just leave it on your front porch at that point and count it as being served. So, yeah. um, you can't outrun service. It's going to happen. And it's not a bad thing. Right. Um, you, you want to be informed of whether or not there's a lawsuit against you because it can have monumental impacts against, yeah. uh, you know, your credit score against all kinds of stuff. Um, whether or not you can buy a house, whether or not mm. you can, you know, even apply for a loan, anything like that. These, these type of things show up and it is, it is actually a good thing that that process yes. server, whether that's a sheriff's deputy or, you know, a person in civilian clothes walks up and says, you're being served. Mm. Um, That's another one of those roles that I could never see me doing it, but I can totally see you doing that and, and doing really good at it. (laughs) If we had time, I would tell you about the the story, the story of literally the first set of documents that I served. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Were you able to successfully deliver them or no? Uh, so I knocked on the door, I served the guy and, um, he was like, great. These are papers that I've been expecting. I was like, cool. I'm halfway back down his walkway to my car. When I hear him 
unleash this string of expletives. Oh, no. Apparently these were not the papers that he oh, was no. expecting. Oh, and I hear him say, and I quote, Sodom, Gomorrah, theater. <laughs> and out oh, of the God. house comes bounding these two giant mastiffs. Oh my okay. gosh. This is the first set of documents that I've served. I'm like, holy crap. Oh my God. <laughs> so at that point I was carrying um, mace because you never know. And so I did end up macing the dogs. Oh my gosh. Um, and made it safely, to, made it safely to my car. Um, and unfortunately this particular individual lived like two blocks from the police department. Mm. So my very Bad next deal. step was so my very next step was to the police department to inform them what happened. They were very well aware of him, um, mm. and I did check up on on that particular um, incident later down the road. Um, he did end up losing custody of the dogs. They were mm. um, seized and taken away from him, uh, and he did do six months in jail. Oh so, my gosh, <laughs> um, that is hilarious! That and you first. stuck with that job after yeah. that, like that's impressive. I, I, I feel I like continue most to people... serve process. <laughs> I continued to serve process to people for another uh, almost two years. Well, it was during the course of me getting my degree. Mm. Um, so the whole time I was in college, I was serving process and like you know telling people, "Hey, you're being sued. Sorry." Yeah. What a cool compliment so, to, to while you're getting your degree to kind of be, be getting experience, yeah. like dealing yeah. with people that are facing legal action. Like, I feel like that was a really smart move to do that while you were preparing. So, um, very cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I have a kiddo that is on the other side of my wall, literally <laughs> knocking on it trying to get my attention. So <laughs> that probably means I should wrap us up. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. And of course, everybody, um, you can always comment on these things. I love to keep the conversation going. I could even get in touch with Angela if you had a specific question or comment about Absolutely. it. Um, I would love to continue to answer questions. So yeah, yeah. So uh, everybody, especially just, um, for anybody who's looking to get into the field, um, yeah. ask questions, ask, 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 ask. Yes. I cannot so, give anybody legal advice. Don't ask <laughs> for legal advice. But she could give you career advice, maybe yes. mentorship yes, type advice. So, um, so yeah. So um, wherever you're listening to this, guys, go ahead and just subscribe to it. If you haven't yet, go to my website and uh, subscribe there as well, themamamarketer.com. You can also find me on Facebook or Instagram at the Mama Marketer. Follow me, like me, and uh, comment anytime. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.